This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Everyone doing all right this morning? Yes? All right. Thank you, Dave. Saw that. Love that. Hey, I'm excited. We're going to continue in this series that we've been in for the last couple of weeks called Walking with Jesus. And we're, we're taking a look at one of his closest friends and followers, Peter, to see what we can learn from Peter's story about our story. And you might think, what do I have in common with a fisherman from the first century? Well, the more we see Peter's story, the more we realize, oh yeah, I, me and that guy, there's a lot in common. <laughs> like he, he's a goof, a mess up, a screw up. I like you, Peter. Thank you, because you give me hope in my journey. Do you ever find yourself just caught online or on Facebook or on your phone watching videos of people fail? Yeah, right? Like there's something like, I just love that. There's something just kind of morbidly fascinating about watching somebody just go and do something and just fail spectacularly, especially if they came across really cocky right before it happened. I love that. I don't know why, what it is. I think I love it because it makes me feel good about myself. Because there's something pretty funny about that. Like, it's funny to watch someone fail, fail in, until it happens to you. Then it's not so funny. I remember failing my roommate in university. We were hanging out on our campus at our college, and we were doing this stupid thing where the, the girls on the campus were going to ask the guys out to this banquet dinner. And the way that they would do it is if the guy was wearing a baseball hat, the girl had to steal the baseball hat, and then she could ask him if he could go. And so my friend Andy and I are in line at the cafeteria to go in, and he's like, hey, there's this girl that's going to try and get my hat. I do not want her to steal my hat. Watch my back. And I just say with all the confidence that I could say, I'm like, Andy, I got your back, bro. There's no way she's getting your hat. And I literally turn around to talk to my friend, and I turn back, and there she is holding his hat. And I'm like, oh, I failed you. And he's just looking at me like with all the anger, and he's just kind of caught in this moment. Failure is never fun, especially when you fail another person, because when we fail, it kind of marks us, doesn't it? It can define us. Like, I became known as the guy who doesn't have your back. That was me the rest of my university days. And it's never a fun thing, because when it gets, when we fail, when, when life happens like that, there's just something that kind of, it marks us, and, and we kind of carry that in life. And, and I think if we're going to be honest today, I think we could all say we failed, yes? Anyone ever failed in life? Yeah, I see two hands up. Yes, welcome to the club of people who need help. That's why we come here. We don't come here because we have it all figured out. We don't come here because we're walking on water. We come here because we need Jesus to show up in our story and to help us on the journey. And I just wrestle with this whole idea of failure in my life. Like, like, like sometimes I, I just struggle to be the person I want to be. Like there's times in my life where I just, I struggle to be the dad or the husband or the friend that I want to be. And, and I have all the excuses. Oh, dad's just having a bad day or, or I'm just hangry right now. But the reality is sometimes I'm not the person I want to be. Sometimes I fail the people closest to me because I just choose to be the jerk in the moment. And I don't understand that. Like I don't like that. There's a part of me that I'm like, why does this happen? I don't want that. But yet it's still a part of my story. Like do you know what I mean? Like, have you ever failed someone in your life? Like, parents, have you ever failed your kids? Yeah, you're like, that's why they're in therapy right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you failed your kids because you're, you're the parent that just was present but not present. Or maybe you failed your kids because you're the parent that bailed. Man, that, that we carry that, don't we? Have you ever failed a close friend? 
a relationship, spouse. Gosh, I hate that. I hate looking in the mirror and saying, why did you do that? What, 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 what's going on inside of your story that you, you would be that person when everything in you doesn't want to be that person? Have you ever failed God in some way? Like, God, I know the things that you, you, you've called me to. I know the things that you invite me into. Like, you, you promised this beautiful life for me, but honestly, I don't know if I trust you right now. Honestly, I don't know if I think that what you're saying is really the best for me. I want to do my own thing. And, and, and we kind of walk away from God at certain moments in our life, and we want to just chase after our own idea of fun or whatever we think it might be. And, and yet so often when we do that, we don't walk into our best life so often we do that, we walk into a moment of, shoot, maybe God did know what he was talking about. Because this, this life I was chasing, it doesn't seem as fun as I thought it was going to be. What do we do with failure when it hits us, when it's a part of our story? Because failure can cause us to somehow feel like we're now out. That we're somehow disqualified from experiencing this, this life that God wants to invite us into. This life that Jesus came to give us. And when our, our failures begin to own us, it just seems to take the joy out of life, doesn't it? Like we may still show up here on any given Sunday, but because of this thing that feels like it's got a hold on us, it's like, hey, I love what we're trying to do here on a Sunday, but I just don't fully engage. I just don't fully enter in because I, I just, I'm not sure it's for me anymore. But I still want to hang out. But this failure that I'm wrestling with, it just seems to get a hold of me. And our failures own us. We may show up, but we may not fully enter into what's going on. Because as beautiful as this Jesus stuff might seem, maybe it's not for me anymore. And what do we do with our failures? We're, looking to look, we're taking a look at the story of Peter. Peter fails spectacularly <laughs> in his relationship with Jesus. I don't know if you know the story of Peter. Again, like we're learning his life. Some of you, this may be brand new to you. Some of you may have a lot of this in your background already. Some of you may have come from more of like a Catholic background. Again, the guy that's up on the stained glass window, window with the halo on his head, like St. Peter, right? Like we look at him and we like, yes. And, and yet if you know Peter's story, Peter failed spectacularly in his relationship with Jesus. And yet the amazing thing is that Failure wasn't the end of Peter's story. We're going to see in his story that there's hope for Peter, which I think is good news for us because there's hope for all of us today. Like if you've ever wrestled with failure in your story, I'm really hoping you're going to lean in and listen today as we look at Peter's life because we're going to see not only hope in his story, but hope for people like us today as well. And so let's jump in. Let's take a look at Peter's life and the story that's going on here because Jesus is going to show up in Peter's life and he's going to reset some things. And we're going to see something really beautiful. But before we get to that, we have to look at what happens in this moment. And so Peter and, and his crew have been walking with Jesus for about three years now. And they've been learning amazing things. And they've been leaning in. Jesus, we want to learn more about this life that you've come to give us, what you have for us. And, and now things are beginning to get heated and intense. And Jesus is having some, some tension with the religious establishment in his day. And it's starting to get very political. And it's not, not a good thing. And, and they're going to Jerusalem, the capital city. And it's this big moment. And and then Jesus pulls his crew in for this last meal together. It's, they're celebrating this, this thing called Passover, and, and yet it's a tinderbox. And Jesus knows what's about to happen. Jesus knows that this is the night where he's going to get handed over. And so he's trying to get his team ready. He's trying to get his crew ready for what's about to happen. And, and he begins to tell them some things. And so this is what we see in Matthew's account of life of Jesus, Matthew 26. 
We're told this, that on the way, so they're moving from dinner to this Garden of Gethsemane moment, and so that on the way, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Okay, that's an interesting comment, right? Like if somebody said, I'm going to get killed and then come back to dead, I think that's the thing I would focus on. But not Peter. Look at what Peter focuses on. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Like, who's Peter focused on? Jesus or himself in this moment? He's kind of like looking at himself like, I'm Peter. Look at me. I've been walking with you for three years, Jesus. I'm the dude that walked on water. I'm never going to desert you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. For those of you watching online, we just had a little moment of something happening in the back. And I literally just saw somebody sitting and disappear. That was well-timed for the failure conversation. And I got a, am I getting a thumbs up? Everyone's okay? All right, yes. That was awesome, by the way, from my perspective. If only we had filmed it, it would have been a perfect failure video moment. <laughs> Man sitting in chair falls. <laughs> okay, where are we at? Peter, Peter, yes, all right. I'll never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. So here's this moment where Jesus is trying to prepare them for what's coming. Hey guys, it's going to get dark, it's going to get intense, and you're all going to scatter. And Peter's like, no, not me. Even if all the others do this, not me, Jesus. And and then if you're familiar with the story, they go out to this garden and Jesus is wrestling with the Father in very intense prayer. I mean, it's, it's intense. Like we're told, Luke's account of Jesus' life says his prayer time in this moment is so intense that he's literally sweating blood from his brow because he's like wrestling with the Father about what's going to happen. And then he goes to find his friends, like, will you pray with me? And they're all asleep. And he's like, guys, wait, can you just hang with me for a little bit right now? Like, I need you. And they're like, oh, we got you, Jesus. And then they fall back asleep and... And then suddenly this mob shows up in the middle of the garden and one of his friends is with the mob, this guy Judas. And Jesus is like, okay, do what you came to do. And you know the story. Like Judas comes up and kisses Jesus on, a, on the cheek, this kiss of betrayal. And then they go and they start to arrest Jesus and all of his followers run, including Peter, Mr. Big Bravado. And they're all gone. And then Jesus is taken to one of the religious leaders' house, the court, and he's put on this mock trial. He's being mocked and beaten. But Peter wants to be a part of it as much as he can, and so he gets close to follow Jesus. And so this is what we see happening in the story. In verse 69, we're told that meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. So Jesus is, is on this mock trial with the religious leaders. And so he's, he's kind of getting close enough to the action, but he's kind of staying back. And so meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came over and said to him, you are one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know who you're talking about, he said. And then later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. And a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. 
Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. And then if you know the story, Jesus is handed over to the Romans. And they kill him. And you see, Peter wasn't there when they killed Jesus. We don't know where he ran that night. Maybe he went back to the room where they'd all had that last meal together and he just curled up and cried himself to sleep. We don't know where Peter was, but I think it's safe to say that this was maybe one of the darkest moments of his life. Peter wasn't there when they killed Jesus. Only John and some of the women closest to Jesus were brave enough to stand with him as he died on that cross. So imagine what that moment was like for Peter the next morning when they all find each other again. And they tell him, Peter, they killed him. He's dead. Because in that moment, every hope, every dream, everything Peter had been chasing for the last three years is done and it's over. And his final moments with this, this man he had followed for three years, this, this man that he said he loved, were that I betrayed him. I failed him. See, now we, we stand in the privileged place of history. We look back on the story and we know what's coming, right? We know that Easter's coming. Easter, that glorious day where Jesus is like, Death, is that all you got? <laughs> Where Jesus gets back up from the grave, he defeats not just death, he defeats sin itself so that we have hope, that broken people can have hope of a new life because of Jesus. Like we know what's coming, that Jesus is going to reign victorious and he invites us into that victorious life with him. But Peter doesn't know this yet. Peter doesn't know what's happening. They haven't read the story yet. All he knows is that this is one of the darkest moments of his life and the gig is up. So imagine what that moment was like then that first Easter morning when Jesus shows up and he's like, surprise! (laughs) And they suddenly realize that he's not dead, that he's been resurrected. Imagine what that's like. Imagine like the wonder and the awe and the joy they must have experienced. And yet somehow mixed in all of that goodness, there's got to be a sense of regret for Peter. Because he suddenly realized, I I bailed on you when you needed me most. That, That... that I failed you, and, and yet here you are victorious, that, that maybe somehow what, what you were about this whole time, that I'm missing out on now, that I don't get to be a part of it. Because Jesus had called Peter the rock, and when push came to shove, the rock crumbled. And now here's Jesus victorious on the other side of this moment, and you've got to wonder for Peter if he's thinking, maybe this is awesome, but I don't get to be a part of it anymore. Because I bailed on you. As incredible as all of this is, it's not going to be for me. Not anymore, not after what I did. And because that's what failure can do to us, can it? Like it can cause us to feel like the good things in life are no longer for us. That somehow the mistakes that we have made, the mistakes of our past disqualify us from experiencing the good things that God wants to do, from participating in this life that Jesus has for us. Like somehow we can feel like, Jesus, everything that you wanted to give me, I'm going to miss out on because of these choices I've made. 
And it's easy to get stuck letting our failures define who we are. And so when we get stuck, a couple of things can begin to happen in our story. I think one thing that can begin to happen is that we kind of just grow despondent over our failures. Like we begin to despair of ever living a meaningful life again. Man, it's really easy to throw in the towel. It's really easy to give up in moments like that. It's really easy just to say, I guess this isn't for me anymore. That's one thing that can begin to happen. Or this can begin to happen. We become defensive about our life. Right? Like we begin to dig in. And when someone begins to ask questions, like, how dare you poke or pry or prod at my life? Like, who do you think you are? Do you know anyone like that? Like, don't elbow. But do you know anyone like that? I can be like that. And the reason I get like that is because there's shame in my story now. And I'd rather blame you than deal with the issue. And I'm wrestling with this in my life and what's going on. And somehow I think there's no longer the possibility that God could do something in my story or that this life that Jesus came to give us could be for me. And yet the amazing thing is that God didn't show up in our story so we would continue walking in sadness and shame or continue walking in in stubbornness or, or, or somehow thinking it's not for us. I mean, Jesus said he came to give us life to the full. Maybe that life has more to do with him than us. Maybe if we're willing to look to Jesus, he can do something in our stories no matter what has happened. So here's what I love about Peter's story. Peter's story doesn't end in failure. Story, the story continues. It doesn't end with him on the sidelines, disqualified and defined by his mistake. I mean, in so many ways, Jesus' resurrection is really just the beginning of Peter's story, of what Jesus is going to do. And we know this because the story continues. John tells us the story of Jesus and Peter and what happens. John's account of the life of Jesus, he tells us this at the very end of his story of the life of Jesus. In John chapter 21, we're told that that after Jesus had been resurrected, he'd spent some time hanging out with his followers and teaching them some things, and and he would kind of like show up and then kind of disappear and show up. And and so we see this continual thing happening. And John writes this at the end of his account of the life of Jesus. He says this, he says, Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, there's our boy. Simon Peter's there. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. And Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. That's a significant statement because what was Simon's vocation before he met Jesus? He was a fisherman. And when your future dreams are lost, what do we tend to do? Don't we just go back to what we used to know? And so it makes sense. Peter's like, hey, this is going to be an awesome story for the rest of you. I'm just going to go back to what I know. I'm going fishing. And we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Who was here two weeks ago? Does this sound familiar? If you weren't here two weeks ago, go back and listen to to Ron's teaching at the start because we're starting to see something really cool, how Jesus wants to meet Peter. And so at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was, so he called out, fellows! That's like probably Hebrew for bro. They have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And so then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. Then the disciple Jesus loved, that's John, he said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard 
that it was the Lord. He, was, he, put, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. And I, just, I love this about Peter. Okay, remember last week, Peter got out of the boat, and what happened? He walked on water because he wanted to be with Jesus. And so here he is in this moment, and he realizes there's Jesus, and he doesn't care what he looks like. He doesn't care how ridiculous it is. He's not walking on water this time. He's just splash, and I'm swimming to the shore because he just wants to be with Jesus. Despite the failure, despite the mistake, all he knows is that this guy's amazing and I still want to be with him. And I love what happens in the story because they, they pull in this huge catch of fish and Jesus is making breakfast with them and he's just hanging out and being with them. And, and then he has this conversation with Peter. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asks Simon Peter, Hey Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Like, 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 Peter, do you, do you love me more than the other ones love me? Because you're the guy who said, even if they all desert me, you won't. So do you really love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Uh, and I love this moment. I love this because catch the significance of what Jesus is doing with Peter. How many times does Jesus ask Peter, do you love me? Three times, right? Because how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. And see, Jesus isn't asking Peter these questions for his benefit. He's asking Peter these questions for Peter's benefit. Because what Jesus is doing, he's actually calling him out of his failure back into relationship, back into the life that he wanted to give him. Peter, do you love me? Bro, do you really love me? Peter, do you love me? Because if you do, then follow me. Like, Peter, take your eyes off yourself. Take your eyes off of your failure. Look at me. Look to me. Let me be the one who defines you. Your failure does not define you. And see, I love this encounter because this is where it all started for Peter. Fishing on the shore one day and Jesus shows up and does something spectacular and then he says, Peter, follow me. And Peter drops everything to follow him. And then they go on this journey and then Peter fails spectacularly and Jesus meets him once again along the shore and says, Peter, let's start again. Peter, let's begin again. Peter, let's do this all over again. And I want to call you out of your failure back into this life I have for you. And see, there's such beauty in the story. There's something so beautiful that gives hope to those of us who wrestle with failure in our story. And here's what I see looking at the story. Failure is never final when you're walking with Jesus. I think some of you, that's the only thing you need to hear today. There is more to my story. My mistakes don't define me. I have a future. I have a hope because Jesus is in my life. Failure, yeah, you can get excited about that. 
See, your, your past doesn't have to define your future. Not when Jesus is a part of your story. Because I think what Jesus wants to say to every single one of us are these words, follow me. Follow me. I have a life for you. I have an adventure for you. Get back up. We are not done. There's more to the story. And see, if we choose to let failure define us, then we're going to stay stuck in that place, thinking that that's our future now. And yet what Jesus wants to say to every single one of us is your, your failure doesn't define you. I do. So follow me. Which is why Jesus asked the question, do you love me? Because that's a powerful question. Because when we let that question hit us, you know what it causes us to do? It causes us to get over ourselves. When Jesus says, do you love me? It causes me to say, wait, I need to stop looking at me and maybe I need to look at you. Maybe I need to look to you once again and not be consumed with myself and my mistakes to let your love begin to lead me back into my love for you and begin to walk with you and follow you once again. And when we failed and we've fallen flat on our faces and we make mistakes and listen to me, it's going to happen. Young people in the room, would you do me a favor and look at those of us that are older than you? Old people, can we help the young people out? How many of you older people have failed spectacularly in your life? Yeah, young people, get ready. <laughs> but those of you who just raised your hand, how many of you know that Jesus is still at work in your story and you have hope? Amen. Yeah. That's why we raise our hands in worship, by the way. It's called surrender. Not that he's robbing us. <laughs> but we're like, I'm yours. You're doing something in my story. There's hope for us today. See, if your past is overwhelming you today, if it's causing you to feel like you're somehow disqualified today, then know that Jesus is just asking you a simple question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because when we begin to get over our failure and focus on him, when we begin to say, I, I, I want to I be someone who loves you, Jesus. Would you help me? Would you do a work in my story? Would you walk with me? Would you carry me? Would you help me do that? When we begin to be people who love Jesus, something begins to change in us, and we become people who turn from our broken choices. Let me just tell you, some of us, we're going to wrestle with broken choices every day of our life, and Jesus is never going to give up on you. So when you fail in brokenness, turn and say, help me, and he will help you. And when we are people who are loving Jesus, what we begin to do is we begin to own our mistakes instead of letting our mistakes own us. And we begin to say, okay, where do I need to make amends in my relationships? To whom do I need to go to and say I'm sorry and seek forgiveness because pride is no longer a part of the equation because I'm loved by Jesus and that's enough for me. And then we keep following him. Like when we're loving Jesus, we're not going to get stuck on ourselves. We're not going to get stuck on our failures because we're looking to him to lead us. You get back up. You get back up. And you say, let's do this again, Jesus. Let me follow you again. And when you fail on Monday morning, <laughs> you get back up. And you say, Jesus, I want to keep following you. Failure is never final when you're walking with Jesus. I love that Peter's story doesn't end with his failure. I love that Jesus calls him back into this adventure of walking with him. I love what we're going to see because Jesus calls him out of his failure back into life. And just wait till you see who this guy starts to become. 
Because Peter, the one Jesus said, is the rock, starts to live up to the name Jesus gives him because he doesn't let his failure define him. There's so much more to your story, friends. I, I don't care what the baggage is in your past. I don't care what the mistakes are. We all come here with mess. And we have the same hope that Jesus is not done with our stories. And if we look to him, he will lead us and guide us. So where do you need to let Jesus meet you today? What's the failure that you're just carrying today that you just need to say, Jesus, would you meet me in the midst of this and call me into something better? Because I want to walk with you again. I want to hear your voice calling me back into the life you have for me. And here's the beautiful thing about walking with Jesus. We don't hang our heads around here. We lift our heads up high because we're walking with him and he's changing our story. And so I want to pray for us today with whatever you've got walking into this place that you would walk out of it with a sense of hope that your future is not defined by that. It's defined by him. So can I pray for you? Yeah. God, thank you that you are God who is bigger than our mistakes. You are God who is greater than our darkest moments, that you are God who is for us. So much so that you send your son to come into the story. And Jesus, you come into this world to walk with us and call us into life with you. You don't look at us and say, I'm going to wait till you have it all figured out. You say, as you are, let's go, let's start. Walk with me and I will change your life. And so would we be people that hold on to that hope? Would we hold on to the hope that you're a part of the story now and that changes everything? And so as we're coming into this moment, would we stand and lift our voices and sing the song as a prayer of hope to you, that you are a God who takes brokenness and brings life. You're a God who turns graves into gardens. And that's what some of us need you to do in our story today. Amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.